Hello and welcome to the CPA's uh, Quick Chats. Once again, telling you to go to our COVID-19 page, that's cpa.ca slash corona-virus for all the latest fact sheets, updates, and a new video that we've posted about mental health during the COVID-19 time. My name is Eric. I'm the communications officer at the CPA. And today we're doing something a little bit different. We're going to talk to Dr. Amy Tan. She is an MD in Calgary, and she just earned the dubious honor of becoming the 5,000th follower of the CPA on Twitter. Dr. Tan, welcome. Oh, wow. I'm honored. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, you're in Calgary, from what I understand, and really all I've been doing is, is stalking your Twitter feed. So uh, you're at Dr. A- or at Amy Tan MD, but your name is Dr. Amy Stay Home Tan. That's correct. You, yes. So, yes, I am an academic family physician and hospice physician and associate professor at the University of Calgary's Coming School of Medicine. And um, we're definitely in the in the midst of everything being about COVID. And so, yes, trying to encourage everybody to flatten the curve and do their part. And so definitely added the stay home part to my Twitter handle's name to try to enforce that yes and i think it's working uh so far uh we yeah. seem to be doing okay although i did notice yeah. you are tweeting quite a bit about the ro number uh and i was hoping you could actually tell me a little bit about what that is yeah so just after listening to the canadian modeling yesterday um you know really saying that when we start easing or when the when the country starts easing up on restrictions really looking at the RO number, which is the reproductive number of of every case, how many other people one case then um, could transmit the virus to and infect. If we keep it, if we keep that reproductive number, the R0 number, um, less than one, then we will be in a good place because then the transmission is not then starting to create this exponential growth Um, because when we were at the beginning Dr. Tam had said that we were somewhere in the 2.6 2.7 I believe it was somewhere in the two I can't remember the exact decimal place Mm -hmm. Um, and so you know that just shows if one person infects 2.6 or 7 and then that person and the next person each of those 2.67 people then go in turn and infect another 2.6 or so you can see how the exponential growth would rapidly rise in a matter of a couple of days. So if we keep it under one, then we are preventing that exponential growth. So that's really important to keep a, keep an eye on. Okay. And how has your practice itself changed in the last uh, two months? Oh, um, it's been incredible how nimble things have been with regards to how quickly we've had to change things. Um, so in order to help with physical distancing and also, I mean, as a family doctor and I also work in a, um, in Northeast Calgary, which has a lot of, it's a very multicultural community, um, but there's lots of elderly and comorbid, people with comorbidities in their um, medical history. So really trying to keep them safe. And so with the physical distancing and keeping them safe, we've had to essentially go through our lists and triage who we thought was too um, 
at risk to even come into the clinic to risk exposing themselves and then trying to on a dime literally within overnight have to convert to offering virtual visits. So first by phone, we have now um, the ability to do virtual like Zoom, like privacy enterprise quality Zoom calls. And also we now have video capability through our electronic medical record. However, because of the demographic that my clinic serves, many of our elderly patients who are appropriately um, distancing don't actually have access to technology or they don't have Wi-Fi, they don't have data plans, they don't have webcams. So we've actually had to really focus on the phone which doesn't allow for our visual cues. So it's really, it's been quite a challenge um, to ensure that we're not missing anything COVID or not COVID related. And that's the thing, like people are still unfortunately managing and dealing with everything else that happened before COVID. So be it they have cancer or blood pressure issues or depression, anxiety, which is exacerbated right now with what's going on. Um, you no know, doubt, whether or not yeah. they're there are risks for cardiac issues. We still need to be able to manage all of those things because we really don't want those things to be missed. But it's been very challenging. And I saw you were on Global Calgary talking about advanced care planning. And that's something that we've been talking about a little bit too. And uh, that it yeah. actually does serve a psychological purpose to speak with other people about end of life care plans, about, uh, you know, just having a plan going into uh, some situation that may arise. And uh, you got into a little bit of the nuts and bolts of that. And I'm hoping you could just sort of uh, give us a, an idea of what people can do uh, to start doing some advanced care planning. Yeah, so I think advanced care planning is, you know, in terms of trying to take back some semblance of control, that is something any Canadian can do right now. Um, and the reason why it can give you peace of mind and give you some sense of control is, you know, you will have spoken to your loved ones who may be the ones who have to speak to a medical team about what's important to you in trying to make the appropriate medical decisions at that time. And I want to be clear, it's not it's not just an end of life. It could be that, you know, you get really sick and you become a little bit confused because you get sick from COVID and you are struggling to breathe. And so that's affecting your ability to um, you know, think so, but you might get better or it could be something non-related to COVID. And again, you might for, for a reversible reason, not be able to make decisions at a time when decisions need to be made. So the first thing is to identify who that person is that you would trust to make decisions, to make decisions under stressful circumstances, to advocate for what you would want, not what, your loved one would want but what you would want and be able to speak up on your behalf if there was ever a case where you couldn't do that mm -hmm. that's the first thing and then really thinking about kind of what is important to you what are big values and goals and functional goals that make life life for you because we can't foresee the future we can't foresee specific medical interventions like do you want this do you want CPR? Do you want intubation? Like those might be more specific to COVID because we, well, unfortunately we're seeing that COVID is actually doing many different things, unfortunately, to a patient's body, but it's not about the specific medical decisions, but it's about having some signposts that your loved ones and your, could use to make appropriate decisions with your goals in mind and to advise and work with the healthcare team for any given situation. 
Right. Now, these certainly are uh, more stressful times than normal. I noticed that on your Twitter feed, you uh, share a lot of uh, comedic videos, or I, I don't know if I would call Patrick Stewart reading sonnets comedic so much as uh, it's a cultural type no, thing. No, that's cultural. It's, cultural yeah. and arts, yes. Yeah. And some yeah, Saturday I'm a musician as, Yeah, I, I'm, a, I'm a musician as well. So, I mean, first, I, I don't know if you saw the cooking playing piano with my son. <laughs> For me, that's really been very helpful for my own um, bandwidth and, and mental health in dealing with this whole new world, both personally and professionally. Uh, yeah, I imagine so. And uh, how often do you do the? How often do you play the music? Um. So this last week, I honestly, that's all I wanted to do. Like, cause yeah. that's kind of where I was at. So it just it, ebbs and flows. Like this past week, I played. Probably most days in the last ten days, I played most days because that that to me was very um, soothing. And and also when my son started playing with me, um, it was a way to bond with him as well. So that was good. For sure, and he'll come out of this knowing some piano and uh, being a solid pianist. You know, I know my mom wishes this had happened when I was that age because then I would be the concert pianist she always wanted today. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I, I have to say that um, I think I haven't shared with my mom that um, I, I wanted to play the piano every day this week, but I think she would find that pretty funny too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so my son, my son plays the violin, so we play together. So it's actually quite nice that he plays violin and while I accompany him in different things. So it's been. Awesome. Oh, that's quite nice. My mom's backup plan for me was concert violinist. So. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. I have to say, I think I, I I I'll give it to my eleven-year-old. It definitely seems harder than learning the piano. I will give him that. I think it probably is. It is harder only in that you can hit an actual wrong note on a violin, yeah. whereas yeah. on a piano that's pretty well set. Uh, the notes are what they are. Yeah. Unless it's really out of tune, then, then yeah, you defer to the piano tuner. <laughs> right. Yes, no one expects <laughs> you to be able to tune your own piano, whereas the violin, yeah. you kind of have to do it on your own. Exactly, yeah. Now, are you always this active on Twitter, or is this something that you've uh, also taken up as a an escapism over the last few months? Um, so I have to say um, that in I've become more active on Twitter Honestly, because of the political milieu that we um, are in as Alberta doctors. And so for the last probably four months, I have been active on Twitter because I really am trying to advocate on behalf of myself as an Albertan, but also on behalf of my patients for continued access to excellent public health care and specifically excellent primary health care and family medicine because we have made big strides as um, a leader in Canada with regards to the patient medical home and family medicine and I am worried that um, that is at grave risk and so I've been trying to be active on Twitter to advocate on behalf of my patients and the greater community for um, for really bolstering and maintaining the advancements we've made in family medicine and primary health care.
Mm-hmm. Well, that makes sense. I think Twitter's a great place to go for uh, political commentary and advocacy, and then you get to see what the other people are saying about it as well, right? As sort of a yeah. community in that. Yeah. All right, well, and you're ac- the fact that you're so active on Twitter uh, is what led you to become our 5,000th follower. Uh, congratulations <laughs> once again. Uh, I just I want you to rank in terms of uh, importance uh, days in your lives. Uh, your wedding day, the day you got your PhD, the birth of your child, or the day you became the 5,000th follower of the CPA on Twitter. Uh, just one to four. Oh my goodness, that's so hard. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like three of them are harder than the other, the, the four. Uh, five, yeah, so, you know, as much as you want me to say the 5,000th one is number one, I'll maybe give it a number two, maybe. But no, birth of my child, <laughs> wedding, getting my MD, yeah, those are definitely top three. Sorry. Oh, that's all right. You <laughs> but know. it's a close four. How about that? It's a close four. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to uh, speak with me today. Uh, you did suggest on Twitter that uh, people might be able to donate to the yes. uh, CPA's pro bono effort for frontline healthcare workers. We are not accepting donations at this time because uh, it is a pro bono effort and uh, we don't need people to support it in that way. Uh, but if you were to tell people where uh, they could donate some money, where you think money could best go, uh, where would you send Canada them? Canada food banks. Food yeah. banks in your local community. I think there's a huge need right now and a basic human need that we, um, if you're so able to be able to donate at this time, because I know it's tough for everybody, um, it would be there in terms of that's a basis of fem- and foundational to a healthy community. So food banks absolutely okay and and i wanted to actually say thank you um to the cpa for creating this pro bono work to support frontline frontline health workers is my understanding um because you know you're directly bolstering the frontline as we're managing this whole new world that is quite scary and stressful no doubt Um, it's a terrible time to be uh, in that position yeah, so that and that's why I followed you because, or the CPA Twitter handle because I was so impressed with um, your organization taking this upon yourselves to offer such a great service. So thank you on behalf of my colleagues. Not that I officially speak for anybody, but I really think it's great. Well, so thank th- you, thank you, and uh, thank you for everything you're doing in Calgary, and thank you for following us on Twitter. We're not going to do this for just anyone who follows us on Twitter. Well, I I feel so honored. (laughs) (laughs) Dr. Amy Tan doing important work out in Calgary as an MD and important social media work as well, becoming the 5,000th follower of the CPA. Thank you, Dr. Tan, for taking the time to talk with us today. And once again, encouraging everybody to go to our webpage, cpa.ca slash corona-virus to check out all the latest resources, the latest audio updates, and the latest fact sheets, and the video that we just put up about mental health care during the time of COVID.